It's time to get in the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Get in the Game podcast, the podcast where we explore ways to get off the sidelines, stop making excuses, and get in the game. I'm your coach, Trevor Dean, and I know I say it every week, but I am extremely excited to get going on this today and and to talk on a subject that is a little hard sometimes to talk about, but that really resonates with me. And earlier on, uh, after I finished last week's episode, I was thinking about, you know, what do I want to speak about Next week, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to share with you guys? And uh, I didn't really have anything um, that was really pressing on my heart at the moment. I was reading uh, the Bible app on my iPad, and uh, I really liked this verse. It was really late at night, and I just didn't have the energy to to make a note of it yet. So what I did is I just closed the, the Bible app, and I left it right on that same page that I was uh, that I had been reading, and then... Later on, a few days later, um, I was talking with my wife and, uh, there, you know, as we were talking, a couple of questions came up and stuff. And then all of a sudden it just hit me and I told her, said, I want, I want to talk about failure and failure can mean a lot of different things. It could, it, it could be in sport. It could be loss. It could be, um, attempts that went bad. Uh, being in the wrong position, anything with it, with sports, and then but in life it could be uh, losing a job, um, quitting a job, uh, going after something and and not being as good as it in it as you'd like to be, maybe not as being as, as successful as you you think you should be. Um, but failure can also mean uh, in, in terms of sport we think about as loss. So also in life, not that we would consider a loss of a someone or, or anything like that as failure, but it, it could mean, um, just having to deal with loss as well. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but the reason I'm really excited to, to speak on it is because the first verse, when I, when I, uh, typed in on a search engine to, you know, what's the, a good verse to start out with or whatever for failure in the Bible and this verse popped up. It was the number. It was the first verse. It was the only verse in. By all I did was I type in Bible verse on failure, and this is the only one that popped up. And then I got more specific, and then a lot more popped up. But the at that time, the one that popped up happened to be the exact same verse that I had read, you know, three or four or five days before that. Um, and, and I, as soon as I started reading it, I knew that it was the same verse. And um, whether you believe in, in God or not, and or if you believe that he talks uh, through his word or not, I do. And so I truly believe that he put in that idea of speaking about failure in my mind. He confirmed it by showing that, that same verse or, or set of verses that I was reading the, the, a few days before confirmed it in it like it was a conviction say yes this is what you should be talking about so i'm going to read those verses for you right now um they are in the book of psalms so if you don't know where psalms is in your bible it's pretty much pretty much dead set in the middle um so this is psalm 16 verses 8 through 11 and i'm just going to read it for you i have set the lord continually before me because he is at my right hand i will not be shaken 
Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to go to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. And so it, to me that was... <laughs> It, it is very, very encouraging. Just that, that first verse, you know, because he being, you know, God or, or, or Jesus at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So to me, it just means that at every single failure, every single point in life where you feel down or you have a, a trouble that you're going through, you won't be shaken because Jesus is with you. If you set you know, he, this is, this is David, um, the, the, you know, King of Israel at the time, King David saying, I have set the Lord continually before me. Basically, he is always putting God first. He is saying that this is the most important relationship I have. Uh, I want to get to know you, Lord. I want to get to, uh, I want to be your best friend. I want to be, uh, just know you so much that, um, you know, if any of you have, you know, friends that almost like you, you think alike, that you anticipate each other's movements or, 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 or speech, that he that he can get so close to God through his relationship that he knows that whatever he goes through, he won't be shaken because God's got his back. And so um, just all the I mean, you may have heard that word, uh, Sheol, and that is uh, just a word for in, in this this particular passage shows up later in Acts, um, which is in the New Testament, and um, that word Sheol is, is translated to Hades, and so if you ever uh, took, you know, Greek mythology or anything in uh, in school or, or heard it or had to read any of the books that, that they make you read in English, Hades is a term for hell. Um, it was also, uh, I believe, the one of the gods, uh, the Greek gods, but you know, because the most of the New Testament is is written in Greek, so they used Hades instead of Sheol. So basically, it's saying, "You will not abandon my soul to hell." Like, you, I, you, if I'm with you, you, and you're with me, then I'm going to where you, you're going to go. I'm, I'm going to be with you in heaven, and and with that hope, you know, we can kind of let some of those things that we might keep us down or might have us thinking. Um, that we're no good or that we're a failure or anything like that, that we can, ab- we can abandon those thoughts because God won't abandon us, that he will get us through those things. Um, and then in verse 11, it says, you will make known to me the path of life. And um, the the way I hear it, the way it speaks to me is that if, if I continually follow God, if I continually try to get to know him, he's going to make the path that I need to, to go clear to me. Uh, certain decisions uh, in life, I, I feel like God doesn't really care about, like, not that he doesn't care about our lives, but that it, it doesn't make a big difference. Like, oh, what car should I buy? Well, you know, what can you afford? If you can afford two or three different cars, you know, I don't think there, God really cares about which one you, you, you purchase in terms of if you're buying it for the right reason, if you're, if you're buying one to be flashy and you need another one to be practical, then, you know, maybe the practical one is a little more, uh, the way you should go in, in terms of if that's what God's, you know, talking to you. But if all these, these three or four different options to buy 
all have the same parameters, all have the same uses, uh, and and you're gonna you know use them for you know the right reasons or for for God's reasons. You know, I feel like you just just pick one. It doesn't it doesn't matter to him. But in terms of the path you should live, the 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 certain decisions you should make in your own life, and and um, a difference between taking a sinful route or a non-sinful route, I believe that God will show you that path. And you know, it, it continues in eleven and says, "Your presence is fullness of joy." So staying on the path that it that has that has God in it is is all the joy you'll ever need. And I know that's hard for some of us to think that if, if we've never really experienced God or if we're not a Christian and, we, and those, we've, this is the first time we're hearing something like that, but God's presence is fullness of joy. And in his right hand, this is the right hand, uh, there are pleasures forever. So, being in his presence, and that means forever and forever, forever. And I know we have a, a concept of time that is is almost um, uh, almost like it doesn't matter to God. It, it doesn't. I mean, it, it matters in terms of that's where we are right now. But he is outside of time. the 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 notion of eternity is so hard for us to grasp that um, when he says there's pleasures in your you know forever in his right hand. Basically, he's so powerful, so big of a being that he can give you whatever you need, with all of the pleasures you could ever want for eternity, forever. And so, you know, I, I kind of unpacked this passage because, you know, we have so many things in our lives that can get us down, so many different uh, little things that we might think is a failure. And that could be as small as, Hey, I wanted to get up at 6am this morning and go walk the dogs. And I didn't, I failed at that. And then I could be down on myself about it. Or I could know that one little thing like that doesn't, doesn't define me. Doesn't mean I don't try and make it better or rectify it the next day. But it just means that because I have hope and I have an identity that is in Christ, I don't have to sit and dwell on, hey, oh, that was, you know, I couldn't get up at six o'clock this morning. Oh, and, and I couldn't eat right today. I didn't work out. Oh, you know, I was, you know, I was supposed to be on this, this, make this business call and I didn't do it, you know, or I was lazy. And time after time, and I just, I mentioned a few things that, that I have, you know, as I unpacked last week, that I, I deal with and I struggle with. And it kind of gets that mindset down to say, you know, I'm no good. Or this week was just a failure. But it says here that I, I shouldn't be shaken by that. That even though, yes, there were choices I made, there were things that I did that um, got me to that point. I'm not going to be shaken by that because God is there at my right hand, on my side, ready to back me up, ready to take me through and show me the path that I need to to go to, to rectify those things. And so like, it, it's just, it, like I said, it's so encouraging to hear these words spoken, to read them, to meditate on them. And just, it, I encourage you to, to go and, and read this passage, Psalm 16, uh, verses 8 through 11. Just read it, study it 
meditate on it and, and just think like taking that hope that God is there ready for you. If, if you continually put him before you, that God, take this promise in that, that he, he's got your back and he's going to get you through it. And so I want to take a, a little diversion to, to the sports world. Um, I, I coach a sport, volleyball, for a long time. And it's one of those things that there are a lot of failures in the sport itself. And I don't just mean losses and I don't just mean, um, you, know, you know, losing a championship or, uh, or not doing good at all. Uh, you know, sometimes we feel like, though, this team is a – we failed this year as a program because we only got a certain amount of wins. And I feel like that's how the world kind of views failure in sports. Um, but it's smaller than that sometimes. You know, I'm a big fan of baseball. I have my little Oakland A's guy right here. Um, and there's a lot of correlation in terms of, like, the batting average and also the hitting average in, in, in volleyball. So the batting average is just how many times that I mean, and there's a lot that goes into it. So, but it's basically how many times uh, at bat, how many bats you got versus how many hits you got, and you you create an average, and it shows, uh, you know, it gives you a, basically a success rate. And the same thing with volleyball; it's how many times you attempt to to get uh, we call them kills, but uh, a, a spike. For those of you who don't know volleyball. Um, but they, how many times you attempt one and how many times you're successful. And then in volleyball, you, you subtract the, how many times the errors you make, um, as a hitter. So there's a lot of errors. So basically it's how many successful attempts minus the amount of errors divided by the total attempts. And that gives you an average of your success rate. And so both in volleyball and in baseball, and, and I use, I usually use the round number of 10, but if you fail, seven times and you're successful three times that is a great hitter but you say well, hold on you're failing more than 50 percent of the time absolutely that's just in that sport that's how hard of a sport it is you know it's been said that hitting a moving baseball with a bat is the hardest thing to do in sports um, I'll let you guys debate that whether or not it's true or not. I happen to think it is true, um, especially at the level that these major league baseball players are playing at. But I, I say that because it's so hard of, of something so hard of a task to do in sport that when you fail, if you were to dwell on that, that you will never get, if you dwell on those failures, you'll never get those three successes. You'll never get those three hits because you in sport, you have to have a, sh a short memory. And this is, like I said, it's the same in, in volleyball. If you can have an average, an average of 300 uh, or, or more, you're doing a great job. You're, you're and it's, um, it's, it's amazing to me for the same reason is you have to have a short memory. You have to, you have to know that, Hey, I, I put my best stuff on this. I gave my best uh, try at it. And it wasn't wasn't successful, and so you can take that in and say, "Oh, I failed at that," or, or in volleyball, the the, the passing room, "Oh, I, I was in the right position, but I made a bad pass. I failed at this pass." And if you allow yourself to dwell on that, then you're going to be so that that game or that match is going to be so poorly 
executed by you that you're you're like never going to want to play again. And I only speak that way because that's the sport I I um I chose to play through through high school and coach. And so I have uh, more of an expertise in that and so that's the mindset of it. I just it, it, there's such a momentum game or, or, or momentum uh, factor in that game of volleyball that if you're not uh, keen to the notion of I have to have a, a a short memory, and that's good or bad because if you start to dwell on the positives and all of the success, then you're not focused on the next play. In, in today's game of volleyball. Um, there are five in the varsity level. You play best of five games and that, that constitutes as, or they call them sets, but they're, that constitutes a match. And the first four sets, you play to 25 points. And if both teams, um, if both teams score close to 25, say it's a, a 25 to 23 set, so there's nearly 50 points every single set in the first four that you have the opportunity to fail. But they, they happen so quickly that you have to have a short memory whether you do good or bad because there's another play coming. Every play is worth a point. And then if you get to that fifth match, or fifth set, I'm sorry, it goes to 15. And then so it's a shorter set. So you have to even be more uh, focused and you, you can't – you can't dwell on the last play, whether you're successful or, or if you failed at it, because it's it's basically what the, we we call it in in the coaching room. It's a sprint. It's a sprint to fifteen, um, and so I, I go into this detail because there are so many opportunities in sport to fail, but if you if you don't focus, if you let that get to you, then you're never going to be successful. You're never going to get to that point where those, those three successes make you that great player. You have to have a short memory. And I believe that that same mentality can be taken from sport and put back into our lives as, as people as well. Things are going to happen in our lives and we are going to have to say that, you know, it doesn't define us. You know, uh, yes, I may have lost my job, but that doesn't define who I am. I'm not a failure because of that. I have, I have to get, I have to get back to work. That doesn't mean that we don't have emotion that, that stirs up in us, uh, or we don't have, um, uh, things that come to mind that make us want to dwell on it or that we want to grieve about it. I think there's, there's a time to grieve and there's a time to, to reflect and have that emotion. That's fine, but it's not something that we have to dwell on for weeks, months, years, depending on your situation. And so, you know, like I said, every, every situation is different. So I'm not trying to put a, a blanket statement like, okay, it happened one day and the next day, you know, I'll give you a day and then get back out there. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, uh, what I'm saying is that every situation is different and there's a set time to grieve, a set time to have emotion or to be angry about things. Um, whether it's losing a job, quitting a job, um, you know, you know, moving back home after uh, th- this is maybe uh, some of my, this is uh, an example from my life. Uh, I, I moved out to uh, Texas back in 2010 and I was there for about six, seven months. And then I moved home. I, I moved out there to coach and um, 
I, I have no regrets about it. I love I loved being out there. I was in the in the greater Houston area coaching at a a volleyball a private volleyball complex, and uh, I never I wouldn't change anything about the way that uh, I, I did my job. I believe I was doing it right, um, but for whatever reason um, that you know we won't go into, I was let go, and. Um, so in a, a May of 2011, I, I moved back home. And even though I believe I did my job right, the moving home part felt like a failure. But it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't define me. Um, it did kind of, it hurt my, um, it hurt my psyche in terms of wanting to coach. And I, I, I stayed coaching, but more as a volunteer capacity. So when I say I coached for 18 years, I, I did, but there was a there was a a three year period um, after I moved home that I wasn't actually officially on staff with anyone. I would just come in and I and I coach voluntarily because so I didn't want I didn't want that responsibility. I didn't I was I was hurt from from that losing my job and moving back, and so I let that failure fester for literally three years. And so the reason I'm telling you that it doesn't define you and we have to have short memories is because I let that, I let that dictate my life uh, and my coaching career for three years, knowing that even, the, even though I did the job the way it was supposed to be done, I, I, I let it come to that point and, and, and ruin what could have been. Um, it, it ruined a part of um, just my love for coaching, but I also have to know that there's another promise that God gives us of those of us who love, love God. So I, I'm thankful for losing my job and moving back here because it led me to getting back into, into college. I went back to college. I didn't finish at that point or, or before that. And so I went back to college. I finished, got my degree. It led me that getting that degree led me to to wanting to get into some sort of ministry. So that got me into working with FCA. Uh, and then during that time, I met my wife, who or my, my, at that point wasn't my wife, but I, I met her. And because of that path that God put me on, referencing back in Psalms um, 1611, Psalm 1611, he put me on a path to be in the spot I am today. He also gave me the idea to be able to even do a podcast. And so I say those things like, what's that promise that, that he that you're talking about? Well, in Romans eight twenty eight, 28, there's a verse that's very popular. If, if you've been around a church at all, but I'm going to read it to you. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And so for those of us who um, have a relationship with God, who are called according to his purpose, and by the, that means called to be in relationship with him, God works all the bad stuff to work together for good. It doesn't mean that all things are good. It just means that God uses all the things in our lives to shape who we are to be good later. And so, like I said, I had, I let all that, that stuff happen. 
um, uh, after being fired and, and, and moving back, but I, uh, I let it shape, uh, in my own way, you know, I, I, I didn't let God use it for good at that point. It wasn't until I realized that I needed to just kind of let it go, get back to, to coaching, get back to who, uh, I know God wants me to be. And then that's when things started to, to kind of fall back into place. And that's when I ended up meeting my wife. That's when I ended up, uh, working with FCA and all these different examples I said that are good, you know, four, five, six, you know, eight years later or seven years later when I actually got married to my wife. And then now in, in 2021, basically almost completely 10 years after, uh, it was almost 10 years after I moved back that I started this podcast. So it's like all these things that probably would never would have happened if I would have stayed out there and, uh, or if I wouldn't have uh, lost my job and and moved back and I never would have thought I was a failure or had those emotions all these things possibly would have never happened so I'm thankful for that for the, those um those things uh to have happened in my life because it's where I am now that I'm extremely thankful for and so um there, there's another verse. I'm just going to leave you with different verses uh, and, and kind of talk to you about a little, some of these things. But uh, there's a story in, in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, about Joseph. And uh, there have been uh, plays written about him. You know, Joseph and the, I think, the amazing technical dream coat and that sort of stuff where, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Joseph was... Uh, one of uh, many brothers, 12 brothers, uh, and he was the, the, the father's favorite. And uh, he had this great, beautiful, wonderful coat, and as all of his brothers were, were jealous of him. And basically, they one day they, they tore his coat, they beat him up, they threw him in a pit to die, and, and expected him to. Um, but... God spared his life and he was taken captive into Egypt. And, um, because of, uh, of God sparing him, he was blessed and he was, uh, basically rose into power in Egypt to be like basically number two in command. And in, in the area of, um, where he was from, uh, which was actually Israel, it wasn't named Israel at the time yet, but um, his brothers and his father still lived there. But they had a time of famine, and Egypt was the the flourishing country. And so basically they needed supplies. And over time, to, to make a long story short, his brothers come into Egypt to to beg for, um, for food and for supplies and, and mercy. And then when they realized that their brother was the one who was in charge of dispersing these, these supplies to them, you know, obviously they they felt really bad and they were scared that Joseph would, um, take revenge upon them. But what he says, uh, he, he basically, he forgives them. But what he says before that is as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. 
to preserve many people alive. So basically what I'm saying is his circumstances that happened to him, beaten, bloodied, left for dead, uh, betrayed by his, his family, um, God meant everything that happened in his life for good because it put him in a spot to, to where he could actually save his family, preserve his family, and keep them alive and keep the people in his home country of Israel alive. And, and it's just his faith that he has there and knowing that it was God who, who kept him alive. It was God's uh, plan for all this to happen in the first place. So he wasn't mad at, uh, at, his, at his brothers for what they did. He had compassion. He had forgiveness in his heart for him. And it's just those things that like, the, so what I'm saying is there's things that are going to happen that we have to realize that sometimes even though God doesn't cause them, he allows them to happen for our own good. And that good might be later down the line. It might be a lot closer. It might be way down the line, but it is for our good. In in John in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking um, and he he is telling the uh, I believe his disciples. He says, "These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage; I have overcome the world." So he's saying that if you are in me, like so that so that in me, so basically the belief in him, being in relationship with him. You might, he, he's saying, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. You, you can have peace outside of me. And in this world, you're going to have troubles, tribulations. You're going to have moments where you feel down or people are going to afflict you or, or, uh, are going to be against you, but take courage. I have overcome the world so that whether or not that you're going to be blessed on, you know, on this side of eternity or. Uh, or not, or this side of, of death or not. He's overcome the world and he promises that you can have that too in that relationship. And then it, there, there's another book right before, uh, right before the book of Psalms. It's basically the whole book of Job. Job was a very uh, wealthy man. He was also very righteous and they say he's blameless and he was upright Um he, he was just, he was basically, he was right in the, in the eyes of God and God allows Satan to tempt him, to, to, to test him, not, not, not tempt him, but to test him. And he basically allows all this trouble in Job's life. He has 10 children. He had seven sons, three daughters, and had cattle, livestock, land, everything, Basically, his whole life is completely destroyed. He loses every single uh, uh, child he has. He loses all of his wealth. All this in the name of basically Satan said to God that he will he will turn from you if I take all this away from you. The only reason he's upright and stuff is because you've blessed him. But you know, basically, he's like, I bet you that if I take this stuff away, he's gonna he's gonna turn away from you. And so through this whole, his whole life, um, a- after he loses it, he, he struggles with God saying, you know, what have I done? Haven't I been, haven't I been, uh, upright? Haven't I been righteous? Like, 
Why are you, why are you punishing me? And does, he, he's questioning, but he's not turning away from God. He even had his own, <coughs> his own wife say, curse God and die. Just like, cause she's upset that they, you know, that they, they lost their children, lost their wealth, all this stuff. So she's mad too. And basically because of that time, a lot of stuff fell on the men. He must've done something wrong. He must have done some had some sort of sin to be cursed this way, and that that was their thinking. And she even said, "Just curse God yourself and die. Just get it over with." And he would he wouldn't do it. His own friends at beginning were on his side, but then turned on him. And said same thing. You must have you know, something in your life. You must be keeping something secret. And it just wasn't the case. It was basically God knew that he was going to stay faithful and and. and and everything he was going to do was going to turn back to him and just say, God, I need you. What's going on? And at the end of of the book, God restores everything he had to him. Now, they're not the same sons and same sons and daughters, but he he restores that. He has more children. He becomes wealthy again. He be, in, in wealth at that time what was shown in, in your livestock and, and land and that sort of stuff. And he restored all that stuff to him because he was faithful to his God. And I say all that because if, if someone, you know, in this, in this Bible, this book that for me and I believe in, if someone can do that, then that means that we have the power to do it too. The, I mean, these aren't just stories. This is these are historical accounts passed down through through um, generations. But that doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that we have the power. And what's even better for us is that G- God gave us Jesus. That if we believe in Him and believe that He is the Son of God, He lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose on the third day and is alive today if we believe that that he is lord he promises us the holy spirit that the holy spirit will come and dwell in us and that power of the holy spirit the power that raised him from the dead is also now in us back in job's time this is in the old testament this is before jesus they didn't have the holy spirit they just had they had to be right with god they had to be righteous they had to had uh, sacrifices and different stuff like that. That was um, that they had to do in order to be right with God. But even then, at, at before all this, Job was blameless and upright, and, and everything. So the power to to stay faithful to God is in us because Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. So for those of you who don't have a relationship with with Jesus, I encourage you, you can email me, you can uh, hit me up on uh, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, the The handle is at GetInTheGamePC on all three of those. My email is GetInTheGamePodcast at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up on the website at www.GetInTheGamePC.com. And... All those things you you can you can talk to me if you have any questions about uh, more more information about becoming a Christian or or what I'm talking about here or where we can get hope. But I just want to let you know that 
failure doesn't have to be something that we dwell on. It doesn't have to be something that we, um, we take in and say that is part of our identity. We're not failures. You know, doesn't mean that it doesn't affect us. In sport, they even say that failure and loss, is, it sticks with us longer than a victory or, or a success or a championship. Losing a championship sticks with us longer than winning a championship. And I'll tell you from experience, um, there are many games uh, that would have put us either in the championship or that we were in the championship and lost. And those definitely stick with me more than winning them. Because we've won plenty, we've lost plenty. Big games, uh, winning and losing. Uh, you have fond memories of the wins, but the losses are the things that you take in and you make yourself better with. It's those losses that I played with, uh, that I had when I played, that made me a better coach as my career went through. Because I still have that emotion. I still have that, man, I wish this would have happened. Or I wish we got, you know, we, we would have, it would have been a different outcome. But it didn't. So I, I, I used that later in my career to become a better coach. And so, like I said, it, it's not part of identity. So I know it's hard to, to let go of it, but we need to let go of that mentality of being a failure. We need to let go of, of saying, you know, I can't ever do anything right, or this isn't, this isn't right for me, or I was never meant for this job, or uh, I'm just no good. Those are all lies that, that, that we tell ourselves or that other people tell us. So I, I leave you with this. I, I encourage you to uh, jump in the Word. And by the Word, I mean jump in the Bible. You can start anywhere. Um, I, I, you know, I gave you a few verses today, but just, you know, or a few books really to go through it. Just hit them up, spend some time reading it, internalizing it, thinking about it. If you have questions, hit me up. Thank you so much for, for tuning in today. Um, you know, it's a little bit longer of an episode today, but it really is something that, that is on my heart. And so I want to share it with you and I didn't want to leave anything out. So Thank you so much again for tuning in. I'm going to try my best this week, and I hope you do too, to get off the sidelines, stop making excuses, and get in the game. I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Get in the game. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast. Please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to support us. Find us on YouTube and subscribe for more content. If you would like for us to pray for you, or if you have topics that you would like us to tackle in upcoming episodes, email us at getinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. That's getinthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at getinthegamepc. If you've experienced getting off the sidelines and getting into the game yourself, please let us know. And remember, it's time to get in the game.